This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, Michaela Perkins. She, uh, she is the future. There you, there you, Michaela, you are the future. And uh, you currently work for PHNX Sports um, and also have helped launch. Uh, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I keep wanting to say Philly. is not Spell it out for me. P-H-L-Y. P-H-L-Y. I mean, I can't spell. And uh, you also work for D- DNVR Sports. And it's all, all city sports uh, yep. umbrella and I, I am like fascinated by the whole thing, and I saw the the venture in Philadelphia, how you went and helped them, and um, and I've been following all what's going on in Phoenix, what's going on in Denver, and and I think you know it's all we have, we, Michaela, we have like all these different things popping up. We have Messenger popping up. We have um, uh, a lot of uh, it, locally for here. It's Mass Live, you know, Odyssey. This this company has different offshoots out of it, but. You know, it's not like you just go to school and say, okay, here you go. Here's my resume. Give me a job because I want to go for work to ESPN or whatever. A lot of yeah. the org- organizations, Michaela, is, are are just as gratifying, just as powerful, um, just a, have just as bright a future as a lot of these traditional ones that we talk about. So anyway, that's a long-winded way of introducing you, I know, but still, I appreciate you coming on and because I do think that honestly, like what you guys are doing, what you're doing is part of the future. So yeah, thank thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I I definitely agree. I definitely think that what we're doing is the future of sports. Uh, we're kind of changing the way that sports, the sports media game works. And, you know, we kind of are filling the gap that regional sports networks are leaving because a lot of them are going out of business or going under or getting sold off. So we're really excited about this company. And I've been here since, you know, 
almost day one. Um, I started at DNVR before we even expanded to any of the other cities. So it's really cool to see the growth of the company and to see, you know, all the doubters be proved wrong because they thought we couldn't do it. And we just opened our fourth city. So I think we're the new wave and I'm really excited about it. So so anytime you have a, an organization that's growing like this, you're doing something right. And, and, you know, we want to sort of dive into, well, how can things grow? Where are things going? Especially when it comes to social media and, and Michaela, we talk about baseball and I, I like your pin tweet here. So this goes back to 2019. <laughs> All right. You're in college. Are you in college when you tweet this? Yeah. I was All a right. student at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism right. in college. Right. Okay. So what is, what is your favorite baseball team? First of all. Oh God. <laughs> this oh, is a very oh, difficult I, question to answer. I grew up in Colorado. So I unfortunately was born into the Colorado Rockies fandom. Okay. Um, but I have since defected to a new team because I hate the ownership in Colorado and I think they're really not doing what they need to be doing. Um, I actually got to work for the Diamondbacks as an intern in 2018 and I've been just kind of hanging around that organization and helping them out a little bit here and there. So I consider myself a Diamondbacks fan now, which is kind of controversial because they're both in the NL West, but I just can't support the Rockies until they get a new owner. So. Uh, listen, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with supporting the fighting Lavellos. You know, Tori comes on this podcast we've had on Tory, we've had on gallon we've had you know it's they're good guys we've been pulling yes. them for for day one as tory came on and said yeah i said tory give us your pre-game pre-season speech and he's like you know let them buy their teams and yes. sure enough there you go there yep. you go uh <laughs> yeah, but so awesome. i, I want to go back to so we, this this tweet that you had in 2019 that you have pinned on your twitter account and your your Twitter handle is Michaela E. Perkins, at Michaela E. Perkins, Twitter X, whatever. Um, <laughs> I call so, it Twitter. It's okay. Yeah, man. I just can't, well, I can't get my head around it. Um, so uh, the, the tweet is, unpopular opinion. People who think baseball games take too long don't understand, appreciate the sport. I wish MLB would stop trying to cater to those people by changing the rules to make the game go faster. Just sit there, eat your hot dog, and enjoy it. Michaela, we have had this conversation so much. And obviously the pitch clock, first of all, like that was four years ago. Yeah. This version, this version of baseball, do you like? Do you like? Are you okay with it? I don't know. This is so funny because I went to a Phillies game while I was in um, Philadelphia helping set up PHLY. And I was sitting there with one of my coworkers and we had just gotten back to our seats from getting concessions and it was already the bottom of the seventh yeah. and i was looking at her and i was like we've been here for what like just a little over two hours and the game's already in the bottom of the seventh like i feel like i can't sit at a game and do all the things i want to do get the food i want to get go walk around the ballpark and really like enjoy the game and the experience anymore because it's over so quick and so i feel like it's a double-edged sword because being there in person, I wanted it to be longer, but then watching it on TV, you know, it's kind of nice that it's a little bit shorter. So it's really hard for me because I could, I, I mean, I'm a weirdo. Like I'm the person that sits behind home plate with the radio broadcast in my ears and keep keeping score. So I'm a little bit of an old Good school. For you. Uh, Good for you. Everyone thinks that I'm a grandpa, but I'm old school. So, you know, I don't mind sitting through a four hour ball game that's with a zero zero score and a pitching duel because I think that's so interesting and every pitch matters and I'm hanging on to every pitch like it's the last one I'll see, you know. So for me, it's hard. I I still am not the biggest fan of the, in the world of all the changes. The pitch clock, I'm OK with. I think it's nice that we don't have to watch 
pitchers stand on the mound and, you know, scratch their heads and whatever else for an unnecessary amount of time. But <laughs> it's it's really hard for me because I, I love baseball and I'm a traditionalist and I don't mind sitting through a four hour Good game. Good for you. <laughs> I know that there was a reason we had. Here we go. Let's go. <laughs> but, I, you know, so, Michaela, like we've talked. um so I, we did this. Well, I, I, I did co-author this book with Joe Kelly, the pitcher. And yeah. um, and it and he has a chapter where he interviews Rob Manfred and Manfred said this. And I hadn't really even thought about it was it's like, like there's one thing is indisputable, which is baseball is the best sporting event to go to. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so and then I started asking people, talking to people and, and it makes so much sense. A lot of things because you said because there's no other sport, football, basketball, hockey, soccer. There's no other sport where you can go, you can watch, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about in between pitches. Then something happens. Then you yeah. talk a little bit, maybe about that pitch, maybe about work. I don't know. Then something happens. And then it amps up. And then something happens. When you sit down in any of these other sports, it's you have to sit down and boom, 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 boom. Like there is nothing. There's there is nothing like this. And I, you're, yeah. you're, you're nodding your head like I, you agree with me, but I'm just so I guess I'm just lecturing and speaking to the people who don't agree to me. But but you know what I'm saying? I mean, it sounds yeah, like no. you absolutely know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. I think baseball is the greatest sport in the world. It's America's pastime for a reason. And so any any excuse that I have to really sit there and enjoy the strategy that is baseball, all the decisions that go into winning a baseball game, I will take it. And it's just kind of sad for me to see that that's not the mentality anymore you know a lot of the up and coming baseball fans have very short attention spans which i totally get i'm a gen zer myself but you know i'm a traditionalist and i always will be and i just i love those little moments of that i think are kind of lost now because people would rather speed the game up so you are the perfect person phnx is very fortunate to have you and because because no, and this is this is honest to God truth, which is because you you understand like all the things that we've been talking about is that's great and to have someone a younger person say hey you know I appreciate the pace of a game the intricacies of the game and everything with the understanding that you have to draw in your buddies you have to draw in your friends you have to draw in your peers and that's not always easy. It, it, as you know, I mean, I, I'm, you know better than anyone. I mean, it is not easy. So this goes to the conversation that I want to have, which was, okay, how do we do it? How do we do it? We can we can say the Savannah Bananas have 7.1 million on TikTok and the next and the MLB is like not even half that, right? The, I think the highest MLB, maybe the Yankees. And well, okay, yeah, that's it's because it's Savannah Bananas. We're not setting bats on fire and, you know, doing whatever. But how do we, Michaela? How do we do this? Like, how do we get people to, to to draw people? You are you are you are the guard of the gate. You are the person we are that we're relying on to do this. So how yeah. do we do this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard because I think baseball is in a really difficult phase of its lifespan. I think I don't really agree with a lot of what the commissioner, the current commissioner says and does and his vision for where the sport is going. So that's kind of hard for me because I'm just not on board with the current commissioner. And if anyone who's listening to this knows me, they know I go on many rants about dear Rob Manfred. Um, 
<laughs> and I think it's hard too because like there are still a lot, a lot of older baseball fans that are traditionalists that don't want to see changes happen. Um, but they're seeing declines in viewership and attendance at games. And so they think that they need to make changes to get those viewership numbers back up, to get the attendance back up, to get the younger crowd invested. And I totally agree, but I think there is a way to go about it that keeps both sides happy, um, both the traditionalists and the new and up and coming fans. I think a lot of it comes down to marketing and to social media and how they are kind of failing in that department. Okay. All right. All right. So stop right there. Yeah. How are they failing? I think, and I don't know if it's because the amount of games makes it harder or what necessarily the problem is, but I think it's strange to me how I can name you the top 10 most uh, influential, you know, most personable basketball players mm -hmm. because I see them all over my social media, all over TikTok. You know, they're, they're, the team accounts are doing a good job of marketing them. The league is doing a good job of marketing them. The all-star game is a little bit more, you know, accessible for people. So I think, it's hard. And I don't know if it's just because like basketball, there's what, 80 right. games, 82 games. Yeah. And baseball, there's 161. So I don't know if it's just like the amount of games makes it difficult or if the players don't have like the same type of personalities. But I, I find that hard to believe because I interned for the Diamondbacks and I got to work with the players and they were all hilarious. Like they were all so outgoing and funny. Um, and so I just think that there's not a clear initiative on the marketing and the social media side to show off the stars. Um, if there's a star like Bryce Harper, that's like a little bit better at doing it himself. Or, you know, you kind of see it now with spouses getting involved in the social media game and then showing off their, you know, spouse that is a, as a professional athlete and that's doing really well. Um, if they don't know how to market themselves and they don't know how to get their names out there and their team's not doing it for them and the league's not doing it for them, you have a lot of personalities that are kind of getting missed. And I think the personal connection is getting lost. And that's why it's harder for younger people to support because younger people always look for something that's authentic. And so if they feel they have some sort of connection to these people, they're more willing to support them. And without that connection, I think it's harder for them to like engage. Um, so it's interesting to see. And I think, you know, Manfred not is not the uh tech genius, the innovative genius, kind of like you see Adam Silver being for the NBA. And so there's not a clear initiative on how to market these stars. And I think it's it's also difficult for baseball too, because you know, baseball is a cultural melting pot. You've got players from the Dominica, you've got players from Mexico, you've got, you know, players from all over the world. And the international aspect of baseball is definitely more prominent than other sports. And so I don't know if not wanting to invest in like the Spanish speaking speaking players and really showing them off is something that is kind of getting lost because not everyone here speaks Spanish, you know? So mm. it's, it's really hard and it's, it's, it's a hard thing to kind of figure out, but I think something else, something more, literally anything more can be done to kind of get people to get interested in the sport and to market it and put it on social media a little bit better. All right. So there's two different things and it was, it was, that was a great take, and, but there's two different things. There's the team, how the team's approaching it. Like you said, you interned for the Diamondbacks, so you saw that firsthand. Um, and then there's the players. I'll start with the team, um, the teams. It does feel like the teams understand their, their plight, right? They understand they're getting a little looser. Uh, I know the Cleveland Guardians, they like the they like to you know go after other teams a little bit more, um, yeah. uh, which is good. Like this is what you you said it. You hit the nail on the head. 
People want genuine. People want, that's what they want. They want genuine. They don't want just like, wow, what a home run. Great job. Hey, we yeah. won. We lost. Whatever it is. So from your perspective, what team accounts do you like? What do you like that, that teams are doing in baseball when it comes to social media? And what things do you want to see more of? Yeah, I mean, the Guardians is a great example of a of a team that is currently doing it really well. Um, this is funny because this is something that I'm really passionate about, but COVID really, really negatively impacted um, social media departments and creative departments in sports across America, but especially in baseball. Um, baseball, MLB used to put on a program called the LCC program, which was live content contributors, and they would hire local talent to be the base person. So like if I lived in Denver, for example, I could apply to be an LCC for the Colorado Rockies and I would be kind of like a freelancer, but I was work. So I was working for major league baseball, but on behalf of the Rockies and I would gather content, I would, you know, post on social, I would send all the content that I gathered to major league baseball and then major league baseball could do something with that and, you know, feature the Rockies or do something like that. And they kind of got rid of that program during COVID. Mm. And since the LCC program has gone, I have seen a noticeable drop in quality in baseball accounts. Like the Marlins account, the Miami Marlins used to be unbelievable. They were hilarious. They were participating in every trend. They were marketing their players. It was one of the best social media accounts of all time. And that was because the LCC had a huge, huge part in it. And then the LCC program left. And that employee didn't have a job anymore. And the Marlins account has just kind of been okay since mm. the since the LCC left. And the same with the Rockies. Like, um, you know, one of my very close friends, Julian Valentine, was the head of the social department in the Rockies. And he did a phenomenal job with that account. The Rockies and the Marlins were probably the two best baseball accounts pre-COVID. And then, you know, Julian left for another opportunity and the LCC program left. And so the Rockies account has really, really fallen off. And I think that speaks to how important social media is and how important it is to invest in it because the Rockies have lost their connection with their fan base. They've lost that personal side on social. And when you're as bad as the Rockies are, you can't you afford be to lose that. No, man, you gotta, you gotta be better. I mean, you yeah, have to be you can't better. afford to lose it. And I think it's really sad that, you know, social media is not taken seriously as a whole. Um, I think there's a lot of undervalued social media managers out there. I think the departments aren't being invested in. They're not giving the resources that they need to be successful. Social media is also really difficult. Like you feel like you're working 24 seven because the news cycle is 24 seven. You're working nights, you're working weekends, you're working holidays. Um, and it's really an underappreciated, um, workforce. And I, I say that obviously I work in it, but no, so I'm but a little I think it's no, I think it's true. It's uh, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said like people don't understand like this is the this is the crack of dawn to the or whatever i mean this is from yeah a.m to late p.m and it is a it's and there's a lot of responsibility because like you said if and you would know this better than i would but if you know there's it's a tangible number and and there's tangible results and so if you look at if if the social media team isn't getting the results that that the curmudgeons from the front office say, hey, we must get younger fans. We must yeah. get social media. Then the pressure only goes on. And then like, okay, well, a lot of this is you're reliant on the players. You're reliant on the people there. So yeah, there's a lot of pressure. So Well, I and it's hard too, because I think right now, a lot of what you're seeing is like the people that are in charge, like in the senior management positions, like the vice president of marketing, the director of social media, 
you know, whatever, however, whatever the social department, the marketing department is set up as the senior level of management are, you know, Gen Xers, like they're a little bit of the older generation that maybe like didn't grow up with social media, but they saw social media come into the market in the early 2000s. And so they might not necessarily get the memes and the gifts and the trends. And a lot of times, you know, social departments are staffed with people like, you know, myself, Gen Zers, younger people who grew up, like came out of the womb with a cell phone, you know, and (laughs) we understand memes, we understand the trends, we are really in it. And we have all these innovative ideas. And, you know, we kind of want to push the boundary a little bit. And then you have a lot of pushback from the senior management who kill ideas, who kind of take the the wind out of our sails. And, you know, oh, I don't know, that's kind of pushing the the boundary a little too far. I don't know about that one. And, you know, legal departments and all that, that kind of get their hands in social media. And then they take away that creative side and that um, you know, the, the innovativeness that the Gen Zers are trying to push forward. And I've seen it happen, you know, I've seen it happen firsthand. And there's, there's obviously, you know, there's a, there's a line and there's a line that needs to be maintained. And it's a professional sports organization. And everyone in senior management obviously has the best intents and the best, they want, they want the brand to be represented well at all times. And I, I totally understand that. And I get that, but taking the wind out of, you know, creative sales and really dampening their efforts, a lot of the times too much is a lot of what you're seeing too is, you know, until Gen Zers can get into those senior management positions and find ways to kind of follow the rules while also pushing the boundaries, it's going to be a lot of the same. And that's what we're seeing right now. It, it is, it is so true. The, you know, and we see it in journalism too, where the, um, say that you have a sports editor who's been at, you know, a newspaper or whatever, you know, newspaper turn website, whatever it is. And they say, we know that we need this. We know that we need better social media. We know that we need better interaction. So how do we get it? And then someone, you know, like yourself presents it to them. I don't know if we can do that. I don't know if we can do that. Well, okay. Either you want it or you don't. This is exactly what people want. And in in the world of baseball, do you want younger fans? Do you want the demographic to lower below 55? I mean, either you want it or you don't. And yeah. and I think that you know, Michaela, another part of this is like I said, it's it's the willingness of the players. And there's two mm-hmm. parts of this. Yeah. It's the team, the team's aspect of it, how much can they get the players to do? And then yeah. you have the individual aspects of this, which is I think this is the, you mentioned the NBA. I think this is the, the trickiest thing, which is the players like it until they don't like it. Yeah. And they they, they they want to control, and you tell me if I'm wrong, it feels like the players, for the most part, are so intent on controlling their brand. And usually that's done by their old Instagram accounts. You know, I am going to show yeah. you what I want to show you. And a lot of them have great personalities, but they aren't willing to show, they aren't willing to unveil the curtain and to say, hey, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely a case-by-case basis. Like, when you're in those team environments and you're like in the locker room or you're in the organization getting to know the players there, you're always going to have the players that are so excited to contribute to, you know, do anything that the media team asks them to be lighthearted and to make jokes and to show their personality. And then you're always going to have players that like, that's not really for them. That's not their thing. I saw that so many times. 
Um, you know, if I if I had a dime for every time I asked Zach Greinke to do something and I just got a look of death, <laughs> which I love <laughs> Zach Greinke and I, I totally understand why he's not as willing to participate in some of the things. Um, but, you know, you have your Zach Greinke's and like your Paul Goldschmidt's of the world that like aren't really into that. And then you have like Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas and like some of the younger guys that are just like, put me anywhere, put me everywhere, like get my name out there, you know. And I think that goes back to like the age debate. Like, I think that just shows like, um, you know, the difference there, which again, they're like, it's it's hard because like that's just who they are as people and that's fine like you know if you don't want to be on social media if you don't want to be on the jumbotron more power to you that's your choice um i think there has to be a little bit of give and take there knowing that like this is what you signed up for when you are a professional athlete and you are part of an organization um but it's it's hard you know you can't force someone to do something they're not going they're not going to want to do and if you do it's going to come across as inauthentic and you're probably going to see that they're very miserable and they don't want to be there um so it's, it's it's hard it's really hard and it's it's a lot of give and take and a lot of it is establishing trust too like yeah. if you can just show the players like if you do this for me and I promise you it's going to go well and it does go well, then you're kind of like chipping away at their layers. And then they see, okay, like the media team is here on my side. They're trying to help me out. Like, let me give them another interview. Like, let me help them out a little bit more. Um, so a lot of it is trust building. And a lot of it is, you know, as a social media professional, me doing everything in my power to always always make sure that I'm doing what I can to represent them in the best light and showing them I'm never going to do something that's going to make you look bad. You know, I'm never going to do something that is going to hurt your name, your brands, your family, whatever. Um, and so it's important that the social media professionals understand that too, is like there has to be a level of trust that is developed between yourself and the players and the organization that you're, you're working for so that they know, you know, if you come with an idea that's a little bit pushing the boundaries, you can execute it in a way that's going to work for everybody. You are so you are so right. And this this is so when we talk about baseball specific specifically, it is it is unlike anything because of the length of the season. So when you talk about trust and, and you know, I've told journalism students this all over the place, which is you have to understand, like if you have something that is has the potential of causing waves or like in this case you making someone look bad well you better make sure it's worth it because yeah. you might have 130 more games left and you have mm -hmm. lost that trust you have lost ability but conversely if you do yeah. something to your point say hey, hey you know this look at how good you look 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 at how fun this is and and it's okay to put yourself out there and i think that this is they have to also understand and i don't know if this factors in for them michaela is is the game depends on it, man. Like the the game depends on it. This is this is the baseball more than ever, and I and I do sense that that baseball and the players understand that a little bit more. Yeah, but maybe not enough. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a little bit of a a theme in baseball of like this is the way it's always been done, so this is how we're always going to do it. And that works for some things and it doesn't work for other things. And, you know, when it comes to social media and marketing, that mindset will never work because social media is changing on a daily basis. And so having people in your front office, especially on your marketing teams that understand, you know, we have to be innovative. We have to really put time and energy into figuring out, you know, we have a long season. We have, you know, players that aren't as well known as, you know, quarterbacks on football teams or centers in the NBA. So we have to really put time and energy and invest in figuring out how to innovate our social department so that we are marketing our players in the best way possible, that we are connecting the fans to our organization through genuine ways. 
And sometimes you get organizations that get that and sometimes you don't. And so it's just, it's really difficult, but the, the length of the season is working against baseball, you know, the international melting pot, um, unless you have a good strategy for it, it's going to work against you, which it shouldn't because, you know, language is, uh, baseball is the same language. It's a universal language. So. Exactly. Find a way to find a way to lean into it. I mean, you don't have, yeah. a lot of times you don't have to speak the same language to have a good time when it comes to social media. Well, let, yeah, let, absolutely. Go ahead. So, Michaela, let me ask you this. So now I want to ask you about your organization, PHNX, and the other ones that, that, that you're working with. Um, so what is where are you going with this? this you're now the, we talked about baseball, <laughs> right? OK, where are you going with this? And, and I, I'll just preface this by saying this. You know, so we started the baseballs and boring stuff last year. And, you know, mm-hmm. we're building, you, you build the podcast, you build the social accounts, you build it all. But one thing that you, you can't be afraid is to try new things and to try and to, to put yourself out there. If you have a player, you know, if I have a T-shirt, okay, Zach Allen, you know, hold up this T-shirt. It's a free T-shirt. He's not going to say no usually, you know. And yeah. so so you'll never know unless you ask. Yeah. But But this is one of the things I would imagine excites you about. You just said it. Like it's changing all the time. So where are you going with this? What is what is next? What are you what are you excited about? Oh God, I'm excited about so much. I took a chance. Well, I, there was a lot of chances taken. Um, obviously, so I went to the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism at Arizona State, and a name as prestigious as Walter Cronkite in the journalism industry comes with a lot of high expectations. The journalism school at Arizona State is one of the best in the country. But they do a really good job of producing journalists, like either written journalists or broadcast journalists. And so I came into school with the mindset of like, I'm going to be the next Aaron Andrews. I'm going to be on the sidelines reporting, you know, doing all that stuff, because that's kind of the mold that the Cronkite student, the Cronkite school has for its students, which is great because some of the most talented journalists in the world come from the Cronkite school. Um but I had kind of a quarter life crisis my senior year, <laughs> two weeks before I graduated, because I had a job offer from a small market in La Crosse, Wisconsin, which I've never been to. Um, to do, to do TV? Kind of, what was that? To do TV. Yeah, what, it was TV. It was a sports television reporting job. And that was kind of the path that I had been on my entire college career. You know, I had internships for other teams and other organizations here that were in different areas, but I was forcing myself and kind of one mind setting it all the way through college that like I have to do TV because that's the only option I'll ever have to be successful. And so I got a job offer from a small market in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And two weeks before I graduated, I turned it down. I was one of maybe like three people in my graduating class that didn't have a job offer upon graduating because Cronkite is so competitive and it's so top tier that they expect, you know, to have a job after you graduate. Um, But I took a chance on myself and I looked at what I was heading into. And I said, you know what? This isn't for me. Like, I don't think I'm going to get any happiness out of busting my butt five days a week for $17,000 to put together a three minute package that gets aired on the five o'clock news that nobody really cares about. Um, And I just don't see myself being happy doing that. And I really need to figure out what it is that's going to make me happy. So I turned down that job offer. I graduated without a job. And I kind of just used my connections that I had in the Valley to continue my part-time work with various teams and organizations here. Um, but it was scary. It was scary not having a job, especially because there were so many expectations on me from the Cronkite school. 
but I, I knew that I needed to take a chance on myself. And so I was sitting back and I was like, what is it that's going to make me happy? And it was that tweet that you read at the beginning of the show that kind of started it all. That was the catalyst to this because I was like, you know what? I've, I've done a decent job of building myself a brand on my own personal social media accounts. I think I'm funny. Um, tooting my own horn. I think I'm funny. I think I can make a, a job, a career out of social media. And so I'm going to try this. I'm going to try getting a career in social media. I had no like really experience on it besides a freelance position that I had with Fox Sports Arizona before they were changed over to Bally's. Um, and I was like, I'm just going to try. I'm going to try to make it a social media career. I don't know if it's going to work, but I, I think I'm going to enjoy this more than I enjoy television sports reporting in La Crosse, Wisconsin. So um, I was on my couch and I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw DNVR sports pop up on my Twitter feed. And obviously being from Colorado, I had followed them since their inception because they actually started in 2015 under a different name and they rebranded to DNVR in 2019. Um, and I reached out to the girl that I saw and I was like, Hey, I've been a fan of yours for forever. I've been following you guys since you started. I would love to work for you if there's ever an opportunity. I'm really trying to get into social media. Um, I love your social media accounts. Here are some ideas for improvement, whatever. We had a two-hour phone call. And a week later, I had a full-time job and I was moving out to Denver. Oh, um, man. That's what a good yeah. feeling that is, right? Yeah, it was crazy. And it was a lot, a lot of change all at once. But I, I had a feeling after I got that job offer that I was on the path that was meant for me. And I have to give a, a huge shout out to Brandon Spano, who's our CEO. He gave me a shot. I was the first person, the first social media person they ever hired within the company as officially. They didn't have a social media manager, a social media coordinator. They didn't have anybody working in their social department. Um, and I was a kid fresh out of college. And he was like, you know what? Or Let's do it. Like, Let's do this thing. He gave me a chance. He took a chance on me. And I'm so grateful because... I started at DNVR. I worked there for a year and a half. We expanded. We decided that our Phoenix was going to be our first expansion city. And he was like, I need you to go back to Phoenix and I need you to work here. And uh, crazy enough, all of my coworkers here, I worked with in some capacity as an intern or a part-time employee while I was in college. So it was a weird kind of homecoming, I guess, kind of when I came back to Phoenix. And then we added Chicago a couple of months after that. And then Philly just launched. Um, and just to see the way that this company has grown has been incredible. But I'm so happy that I took that chance because, you know, this is, this was, is still considered a startup in some many aspects. And it doesn't have like the flashy ESPN title or, you know, the NBC Chicago title. It had a name that nobody knew about. And now I feel like people know who we are, or at least they're starting to know who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm really proud of this company and, I love the fact that we don't do things the traditional way. We have found new ways to do stuff that nobody has done before. And that is perfect for my little uh, anti-establishment soul, I guess you could say, <laughs> um, in some aspects, because we we do push the boundaries and I don't really get told no here. You know, I get to be as creative as I want to be, um, obviously not crossing very specific lines, but I get to be as creative as I want to be and I get to try things and you know it's it's a great company to work for and I'm so excited because the sky's the limit for us you know we're going to open more cities we're going to have more um cities under our umbrella our parent company we're going to do a lot on the national level and try to you know compete with barstool podcasts at a national level um there's a lot of stuff coming up that is really exciting and we have just gotten started and it's really cool to think about you know what's coming next I I can't say a lot about what's coming next because a lot of it's a little secret, but um, we're just getting started. There's going to be more cities. There's going to be a, a bigger national network, and it's going to be really cool. Um, we've also started branching out into helping other digital media companies. So um, the Athletes First Agency, which is like the biggest sports agent uh, agency in the world mm -hmm. that represents a ton of very prolific 
uh, NFL players started their own digital media outlet. So, you know, the agents and their players that they represent are going to start creating content. And our national brand, All City, is a production on that. So we're producing their content. I'm running their social media. Um, and so we're branching out into avenues that we haven't even thought of before, like the Athletes First Network. You know, we're going to get on Fubo TV and it's going to be available on um, smart TVs. Like we are pushing the limits and we're just getting started. And it's just so cool to think about. But I'm going to be in this company until the day I die. Um, oh, hopefully. look at you. All right. I mean, so honestly, you got me fired up, number one. Like, let's go. And, and you should be inspired. And I'm glad you said this because... You know, we've talked to we talked to players a lot about their stories and about you know whatever it may be, but it it helps or even broadcasters to for younger people who are coming up and to understand like this is the, the right mindset, this is the right approach, this is you shouldn't give up. This is and the biggest thing you said, Michaela, is is that and I've just been a huge proponent of this is that you got to do what you like. You know, it, you you got to do what you like as long as you can do it. And yeah. in, in the world of journalism, sometimes that is, well, you know, I got to live with my parents while all my <laughs> friends are, are you know, have their own places. Uh, I got to make a very low salary while all my friends are working in finance, but I'm still working toward what I want to do. Because when yeah. you get to your 30s or whatever it is, you, you don't want to have any regrets. And you also want to have the chance to do what you want to do. Um, and so, I mean, all of that, like it just, it was just perfectly said. And so what is, uh, you said you like to be creative Yes. and okay. So give me a, give me a creative thing that you've done recently or will be doing. And, uh, and because, um, you know, you had dropped in, you know, compete with Barstool. I mean, that's a daunting task, right? And it's also, it's also like, you know, where do you fall in the world of traditional Barstool all of that. I mean, so this, and that's what I think a lot of these mainstream media places are trying to figure out. Yeah, totally. We want the audience, but we don't want to do that. You know. Yeah. So anyway, I'll, I'll come back to my question. Give me some. Give some me. Give me some creativity. Oh gosh, I feel like every day is something new, creative wise. Um, I don't want I launched... any trade secrets or anything. I don't. You know, it's okay. Oh boy, yeah, no. Um, you know, when I launched PHLY, not I, my team. Obviously, um, when we launched PHLY, I was obviously controlling the social media and the social media launch plan was like my baby. That was um, good, by the way. That was thank excellent. You. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not just saying that. That was excellent. Good job. Yeah, thank you. So, I mean, that took a lot of creative brain power. Um, it was actually something that I originally started working on. We did something kind of similar to how we launched PHLY when we launched PHNX. Um, and that was kind of like my brainchild. Um, I, I worked with Ryan Kennigsberg, who was our VP of content at All City. And, you know, we really came down and whittled this down into, you know, what is going to be the most effective way to launch a brand new market um, in a space that no one has ever heard of us before. And so we did it in Phoenix. Um, We altered it a little bit in Chicago and then we altered it a little bit again in Philly. Um, But just to see, you know, the core of what creatively we had come up with still be so impactful was really cool because, you know, when we first launched Phoenix, we had no idea what to expect. We didn't know if it was going to be a success. We didn't know if the company was going to go under because nobody cared enough to support Phoenix. And then, you know, Denver was dragged down because, you know, Phoenix couldn't get off the ground. 
So we didn't know what to expect at all. Um, and then just to see that Phoenix is so self-sustaining and then it worked enough in Chicago and Chicago is a huge market for us. Um, and then to see how it works in Philly and, you know, Philly surpassed every single expansion city on day one metrically by every number you could possibly imagine. Um, and just to see that, that creativeness, um, and also that strategy, because a lot of social media is strategy as well. Um, to see it work in another market is really, really awesome. So I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of how it went. It was it, honestly. So that day that you launched and that day that you put out the video, that day that you announced, I mean, it was, I saw it a lot, which is a big part of it, right? I mean, you yeah. see it once, but then you see it again and then you see it again and then you see it again. So well done. Excellent Thank job. You. Man, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So Good times, good times. Well, I I appreciate, I, I appreciate you. Definitely have earned a baseballs and boring T-shirt, maybe multiple ones. <gasps> Let's go! Baseball uh, isn't boring. You are. That's uh, my motto. Whatever. Oh, like, oh, go yeah, ahead. Whenever someone's like baseball's boring, I'm like baseball isn't boring. You are. <laughs> okay. Well, fortunately, that's the name of uh, everything that we do. Uh, I which love it. I'm, and I'm glad you you said that because you reminded me because we asked. Almost everybody. We've asked the commissioner this, your buddy, the commissioner. We've asked, we've asked GMs. We've asked players. We have asked managers. Every, you know, whoever it is. And it's a simple question, Michaela, and there's no wrong answer. Why isn't baseball boring? Baseball isn't boring because baseball everything that happens in baseball matters. And if you understand that, then you'll never think it's boring. Everything, every decision, every move matters. And if you take the time to understand that everything matters, it'll never be boring. <laughs> that is such a good answer. Awesome job, man. You, you just Thank you. Yeah, I that hope that's really okay. Good. Oh my God. I was no, like, no, so it's, it's, it, no, it's, it's, you know, what's amazing to me is that, so I asked that question, you know, a lot of a lot of people. First of all, the answers are so different and so yeah. awesome, like across the board. Like, yeah, you get some of the same every once in a while, but not often. And they're all good and they're all thoughtful. And they're, they're, like for I and I do not, much like in this case, I did not prep you for that question and you just <laughs> nailed it. So excellent, excellent job. All right. Well, uh, we we look forward to, to supporting your cause and. And uh, and hopefully you can support the baseballs and boring cause. And oh my god, absolutely! Anything you guys need from us, let me know. We've got two very eager Diamondbacks podcasters in the building that are very jealous uh, that I'm doing this uh, right now. So, <laughs> well, uh, go go back and listen to the Tori Lavello part. Tori Lavello is, you know, he's for me, he's he's the guy. He's the he guy. Is the, the best human being. I love his family, his lovely wife, his son, Nick. I just, the Lovello family is the ultimate and Tori is the guy and should be the guy, should be the manager in, in Arizona for a long time. Well, so fingers both, crossed that happens. Both he and I will uh, send you this the photo of him holding up his baseballs and boring shirt and his wife also has the baseballs and boring shirt. Um, nice. But I'll say this about Tori, and you can appreciate this, is that, and I've said this to a, a lot of people, I said, Tori might be one of the best, forget about baseball people, human beings, in terms of actually listening and caring what you say. Yes. Like, because, because Michaela, we used to have him on the radio, he used to come on the, on the radio all the time. And he will always ask, why do we do this? Why do you do that? Why do you do this? You know, it, like this, it's so inquisitive. And, and, you know, I mean, in that world, that's not easy to do. You're being pulled and pushed. And yeah. So anyway, there you go. This yeah. is my Tori Lovello, uh, 
phrase. Um, I love it. No, we need as many Tory stands as we can possibly get because he's <laughs> in a little hot water uh, with some of the fan base here. With oh, Calvary. really? What? They're in the playoffs. Come on. What's well, going on? Not, not officially. Not yet. I know, they're but still... I mean, they're in the conversation. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Diamondbacks have exceeded all expectations this season, but it's hard to explain that to some are they, more are, casual are pe- fans. Are people optimistic that they will make the playoffs as we sit here? Mm, I wouldn't say optimistic. I think it's really hard for Arizona sports fans in general to be optimistic because we haven't really had a lot to be optimistic about in our short storied history as a <laughs> sports franchise, uh, as a sports city. So I think optimistic isn't necessarily the right word. I would say keeping their fingers crossed and very nervous with a lot of butterflies in their tummies. But um, I think the Diamondbacks have exceeded expectations so far this season, and they're going to be a really good team for a lot of years. So we just, we got to be patient. You know, we got to, it's going to be worth the wait. Um, If they do make it in the wild card, it's going to be crazy. Everyone here is going to be so stoked um, because they do care about the Diamondbacks. They're the only team in the city that has a championship. So fingers crossed. Pray and for us. Pray for the D-backs. Oh, uh, well, listen. Yes. <laughs> Pray for us. And uh, we did, uh, it reminds me, we had also Jordan Lawler on. Excellent guy. I yeah. think a guy that, like, who is going to be great for you guys. Um, he also told me that, because I was asking, like, who is the fastest human being? Because Ellie Del- Tell the Cruz said he was the fastest human being. Corbin Carroll, obviously, very fast. And Jordan Lawler broke the news to me. He's like, I forget the name of the relief. The, he's like the relief pitcher beat Corbin Carroll in a race in in spring training. Oh yeah, no. Uh, yeah, he yeah. I think what? he said Tommy John. Yeah, yeah. Oh, jeez. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta look it up. But yeah, no. He, Jordan Lawler said that. He said, oh, yeah, my yeah, gosh. yeah. You should know this. That I have to figure out who this is now. I'm dying. Uh, to know. Who, who is someone at Tommy John in the second half of the year? Relief pitcher. This year. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want you rattling off names. That's okay. We'll think of it. We'll, we'll think of it. But but it's a good one. Like that's another one. Go up to Jordan Lala, ask him that question. Is it um Umberto Castellanos? Nope. Nope. Um, but if you <laughs> whoever he is, he's faster than Corbin Carroll. He may be the fastest player. A relief pitcher may be the fastest player huh. on the diamond uh, in major league baseball. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to have to figure this out because I'm so intrigued. I'm going to ask our D-backs podcasters what they think. Yeah. So Google it or, or, or search for it on, uh, on X slash Twitter and, uh, you'll be able to find the video of him saying that we surface the video. We oh have documented gosh. proof. Going to have to do this. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll get you down a rabbit hole. Hey, but that's okay. Everyone go to at BB isn't boring. You could go to, to spend days on it looking for the Jordan Lawler interview. Oh, Dre Jameson. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. He, he didn't have Tommy John, right? Was I making that up? Is he hurt or something? Or... He, yeah, he is. He is hurt. Um, okay. But Dre Jameson, Dre Jameson was the one who beat Corbin Carroll in a race in spring training. That's amazing. Oh my God. That's incredible. Good for him for calling him out on it too. We we actually, so our, our Twitter account, uh, PHNX D-backs has that video of him saying he can't beat me in a race on there. So oh, all I right. know that. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's all good. It's all good. All right. Well, I look forward to talking more baseball with you, Michaela. Yeah, and, uh, whenever you and- want me, I'm always down to talk baseball. It's my favorite uh, thing in the world. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much.